0: And uh, good morning, Bill Handel here, and uh, the Morning Crew. The day before Thanksgiving, a Wednesday, November twenty fourth, and some of the top stories that were uh, carrying uh, the eight, an eight year old boy became the sixth victim to die uh, during the or as a result of that uh, suburban Milwaukee Christmas parade, uh, the SUV driving right into the crowd. Also, we just found out it's official: Brian La- Laundry who had been missing for over a month uh, and was found dead. It was a gunshot wound to the head. Uh, He committed suicide. Red flag warning, by the way, uh, throughout Southern California over the next uh, couple of days, just in time for Thanksgiving. Uh, Another COVID holiday. Here's a question. Are we better off this year than we were last year? And... If you look at regions, uh, the answer is yes. Southern California, better off uh, in terms of COVID hospitalizations and uh, even number of cases and, of course, deaths. There are still areas in California where uh, hospitals are stretched uh, and the capacity has been reached. And, of course, the nurse burnout is still there. Uh, over time, and then you have another issue of uh, rather few nurses refuse to be vaccinated because they're, which I don't understand. I mean, I, first of all, I don't understand people who are uh, not vaccinated anyways, vaccinated anyway. You know, you obviously know where I sit on that, but nurses, first responders, come on, uh, that's beyond the pale. So uh, the bottom line is the state, and I'm going to leave it to California. Uh, Is doing uh, a lot better than a year ago. uh, And all of it has to do with vaccines because everything else uh, has fallen by the wayside. Way down on mask wearing, way down on social distancing, uh, but it's the vaccines that are saving everything. But we knew that. That's the number one tool that will stop this pandemic. Now, if everybody gets vaccinated, it will be eradicated. But there is no chance, uh, not in today's political climate. So if you look at uh, each county, uh, it, it changes. Uh, at least 18 counties here in California have more patients hospitalized than they did this time last year. And five have just as many. And you would guess, and you would be right, uh, that the worst parts of the state are in the Central Valley and rural Northern California Uh, Still recovering from the summer surge. And that's uh, Humboldt, Madera, Lassen counties' biggest year-over-year increases. And uh, it's way different here in Southern California. And what does that have to do with anything? Well, because uh, we in Southern California actually paid attention, more attention to the rules. uh, And we still do. Um, uh, The state's most populous counties, uh, all of them except Fresno, have fewer patients than they did a year ago. Uh, La, Alameda, Contra Costa, uh, Contra Costa counties, uh, less than half, and then you have a few that are up there. But I want to uh, point out, uh, basically, our uh, area, LA, Orange County, for the most part, and uh, still doing great. I mean, don't 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 uh, think that we're not doing better than we were. Uh, Orange County, uh, the number of cases have dropped. 37 percent, dropped by a third, which is great news. L.A. County, the number of cases high drop have dropped by more than half. So why? Well, let me give you an example. Yesterday, I went to lunch uh, with uh, my program director and we went to a Thai restaurant just up the street here in Burbank. And walking in the door, not only do you have to have uh, your mask on, and i have forgotten mine, so they as soon as I open the door, they go, "Get, we need a mask." So I walk in with my mask, and then before they would seat me or us, I had to show them my vaccination. No vaccination, you're not coming in. Proof of vaccination, and so I have this app uh, where it shows my proof. I have a Clear app, and unfortunately, I didn't know how to. I, I'd forgotten how to go from A to B. And so I couldn't prove my uh, I couldn't prove vaccination status, and so we had to sit outside. That's L.A. County. Uh, and you're going to see more and more of that. There are businesses now, and the number of businesses that demand to see proof of vaccination are exploding. And you're going to see it going across the board. Now you cross the border and you go into Orange County; it's a different world. Uh, there, very few people wear masks. The vaccination rate is lower than L.A. County. Again, because of the politics, which we've talked about before. And therein lies the story. Just look at the numbers. Uh, Orange County doing much better than it did a year ago, down a third. L.A. County doing much better than it did a year ago, down over half. Why? All because of the vaccination rate and the mask wearing uh, and the care that we take. Uh, As far, well, no, social distancing is still there. You still have... uh, You know, little spots on the floor, the painted lines or the painted circles that where people can stand uh, and you're separated. A lot of a lot of places still adhere to those rules that were put in place. So and on top of that, here is the other one. According to the California Department of Public Health, uh, unvaccinated people are 12 times more likely to be hospitalized. There you go. The numbers are there. The science certainly is there. And the proof is there that it's all about vaccinations. That's what's going to save us uh, from the pandemic. Uh, become Well, it's going to become an annual issue. And you're going to simply get uh, a COVID shot along with your flu shot, along with uh, your pneumonia shot, if uh, you are of that ilk, uh, of which I am. Holiday travel crush has begun. Did a story this morning about how bad the traffic is going to be. Uh, it's going to be horrendous. Welcome to Thanksgiving as if COVID never happened. Now, even in normal times, uh, and we're talking about airlines, I'm to do an airline story here. Uh, the days around Thanksgiving are always challenging for the airlines. This week, boy, biggest test since COVID, uh, COVID began, more and more Americans, millions more Americans, uh, who are been vaccinated and are therefore far bolder about getting on airplanes, Uh, and do not want to spend another holiday alone, well, they're jumping on airplanes. And uh, if uh, you look at some of the reasons why, uh, for a lot of people, this will be the first time they got together with family, uh, maybe in a year, a year and a half. So that's one reason, and that's probably the biggest reason. Also just getting out. Also being able to afford flying, even though the flights are more expensive. Uh, I'm going to uh, Las Vegas to uh, visit my friend up there. And I'm going to go for the weekend. So I leave Friday and I come back on Sunday. And I was just about to book uh, an airline ticket. $389 each way. How how do you do $800 round trip for a 45-minute flight? Airlines, it's a lot more expensive to fly. Uh, The TSA expects to screen about 20 million passengers in in the 10 days that began uh, last Friday. And uh, that is very close to pre-pandemic levels. Two million people went through TSA checkpoints just on Saturday. Delta Airlines and United uh, expect to fly about 12% fewer passengers than they did in 2019. Problem is fewer airplanes. Uh, So it's going to be even more crowded on the airplanes that are flying. Uh, United said uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving is going to be its busiest day. That's sort of given since the pandemic began. And you've got travelers uh, that basically are just going back to their travel routines with some twists. Uh, And we all know, and I want to reiterate how difficult it has been. First of all, you've got the pent-up travel Uh, demand. And man, it has exploded. Uh, uh, Hopper is an app that predicts flight prices. uh, And this seems very low to me. The average domestic flight during Thanksgiving uh, is going to be $48 more than it was last year and cheaper than it was in 2019. Yeah. Book a flight and see how much you paid. And, uh, I mean, this is national during Thanksgiving week. Uh, it's going to be a $293 round trip this year. Uh, but then again, uh, that includes all the cheapo-creepo airlines, of which uh, locally uh, you can't fly, you're you not going to go to San Jose, you're not going to go to Las Vegas or Phoenix on anything other than a major airline, and they just nail you. Uh, and uh, the, some of the troubles that the airlines have experienced uh, in recent days Because uh, all of a sudden you have the passengers coming back in mass and you've got pilots uh, that uh, are overworked and by law they can only work, I think it's 80 hours a month. So you have the delays, you have weather delays, which have really nailed us, climate change. And all of a sudden you have flights that are going to be canceled and and a lot of the reason they're, they're canceling flights is because they can't get the flight crews there. Because too much time is spent on existing flight crews who otherwise would be flying, but they can't because of the hours. Uh, Also, uh, the number of stewardesses, both male and female stewardesses, uh, is down and they're having a hard time recruiting. Why? Because uh, it's just dangerous to be in the cabin. I mean, look at all the craziness that happens. People are completely nuts. So when you have the weather that has come in... Uh, For example, Southwest, you remember that cancellation? 2,500 flights over a four-day stretch. That was bad weather. Uh, That was 18% of all the flights that it flies. Uh, It was uh, air traffic controls, uh, a a staffing issue, very short-lived. But you had the bad weather and the positioning, and it was just horrible. A week later, by the way, after Southwest canceled its flights, American Airlines did the same thing. Cancelling more than 2,300 flights in four days. And that was 23%. All right. They're working to address problems. Uh, Everybody is moving to figure out the TSA says it has enough people. Yeah. Look at the lines at the airport. Uh, And it's, it's as bad as it was in flying. uh, It's, it's gotten pretty bad uh, for a whole number of reasons. You know, the airlines are coming off of losing phenomenal amounts of money. They would have gone under had it not been for all the federal stimulus money. And now they're coming back and charging high prices and people are crowding aboard airplanes. And uh, it's, hey, welcome to Thanksgiving. And, uh, of course, you'll see, if you watch the news, you'll see lines at the airport and telling you to show up two hours, three hours before your flight because you have to. It's a rough time to travel. And uh, look at the number of people that are traveling by car. Look at the gas prices uh, and by air. Your family isn't worth it. I'm telling you, I don't know of any family member that I would go through this grief. Let's talk for a moment about uh, the ramming of uh, that parade and the the people that were killed. Uh, Brad Garrett, ABC News, Crime and Terrorism Analyst. Uh, Brad, thank you for joining us. Uh Real quickly, uh, are cities around the country rethinking uh, possible security uh, regarding these parades? Now, realistically, I know there are hundreds of thousands of parades every year uh, of some kind or another. Uh, Has this brought city councils uh, to a point where they're really looking at this?
1: I I would hope so, because, Bill, it's a fairly low-tech thing to do. Whether you're a small city in California or you're a Los Angeles You know, the ability to get together heavy type trucks, dump trucks, fire trucks, maybe even uh, pickup trucks to block the entrances and the exits to a parade route or to where you have a large gathering of people, to the extent even blocking perhaps the side streets with police cars or something similar. The whole idea is you really want to make it much more difficult for somebody to commit a car ramming. Because let's face it, you know, Brooks wasn't, that wasn't his intent, I don't think. He's just a very troubled, violent guy who was running from the police and, and unfortunately went down a street where they were having a parade and, and killed a lot of people and injured scores. So, yep. but it doesn't matter. It's the same result. Sure. It's, a, it's a car ramming. He could have been an Islamic extremist, right? So, I mean, it's, the point being you have to make it more difficult, right? There's a term in criminology called target hardening and you just got to, you have to harden the target the best you can. And so that's, that's one aspect. And then clearly, obviously the other is that Brooks should not have been out yeah. on bond.
0: And I want to do that uh, in, in a minute, but I'm going to go back just a second about the target hardening. Okay. Uh, you can't defend against everything, but as you said, you can make it harder. Now, had there right. been police cars blocking, for example, uh, each uh, all the side streets and maybe even blocking the beginning and the end of the parade, that probably would have averted this. Is, is that fair to say? I would say I, my sense would be the
1: following. If he drove, even at the high rate of speed, he appeared to be driving. Obviously, if he can't get through, he would have, have to turn left or right, whatever is available and got he would have gone to another alternative street. And that's really what you want to happen. When either it's a mistake, whether it's somebody that's mentally ill, or it's somebody that's their primary intention is to harm people with a vehicle or truck, then you, you know, you need to make it really hard, and you know it diverts them, and that's what you want at the very least.
0: All right, let's uh, move over to that issue of bail, and that's particularly pertinent here in California because we are. Probably the most uh, criminal defendant friendly state that exists out there. So Daryl Brooks was a registered sex offender in Nevada, had an outstanding warrant for bail jumping released recently after he attempted. This is early November to run over his girlfriend uh, and he was arrested and his bond was reduced from ten thousand to one thousand dollars. Uh, even the prosecutor said that's uh, uh, they were off base on that. How does something like that even happen? And even ten thousand dollars bail is a pittance uh, relative to the crimes that he committed.
1: Yeah, well, there's no doubt, and and you know the biggest factor, Bill, in assessing whether you should let people out of jail or not is what has been their track record when they got released. I mean Brooks gives you a lot of examples because he's been arrested. A number of times. Has he jumped bail? Has he failed to follow the conditions of bail? And the answer is yes. So right there, there's a huge red light if you're the judge. Now, the prosecutor or somebody else has said there that the the reason his bond got reduced dramatically was because of speedy trial. He demanded a speedy trial. They couldn't make those dates. uh, And so they reduced his bail. That's really not an adequate excuse. But but it does happen, and I'm sure it happens in places like Southern California, particularly LA where you have so many people, so many defendants. I mean it's 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 really tough. And this is also important that warrants for people may not be an NCIC. If you're in Nevada and you've got a bail jumping warrant for Brooks, you may not put that in the system because you're not willing to pay to extradite him. So those kind of things happen where people actually are wanted other places. But if you run him into in NCIC, you won't see a warrant, maybe, in Nevada. And yeah, that so, never
0: occurred to me. They know that uh, he has been arrested, uh, or, uh, and they won't extradite him, uh, or no one's going right. to look and for him because it's just too much money. So the state that is asking right. for the extradition pays for it all.
1: Right. They have to come get the person. In other words, if you get arrested and you're wanted in Nevada, you would go to it in front of a judge, obviously in Los Angeles. That he or she would then determine, yes, you are who you are, and order you extradited to Nevada. But obviously, you can't do that if you don't know about it, and if it's if and more importantly, I suppose from a financial standpoint, Nevada, let's say the city or county, has to then send marshals, local marshals and or deputies, to Los Angeles to pick you up and physically haul you back to Nevada. So you can see where. If you're a small jurisdiction with a limited budget, you can't really do too many of those. Hmm.
0: All right. That's, that's a lot to think about. And there's a lot of holes in the system. And uh, it makes it, it more exacerbating because here uh, they just love people getting out. I mean, we just happen to have uh, a DA and there's one in San Francisco. They just happen to like defendants. All right, Brad. Thanks much. What do Elizabeth Holmes, Kyle Rittenhouse, and Travis McMichael Have in common, well, Rittenhouse and McMichael uh, both are arguing self-defense. Well, Rittenhouse did successfully argue self-defense. The McMichael, well, the the Ahmed Arbery jury is uh, out deliberating right now, and different set of circumstances. One, it made sense for Rittenhouse, where it was a good defense uh, in terms of self-defense. McMichael, not so good, and we've talked about that, and we'll talk about that. And then you got Elizabeth Holmes, who is accused of all kinds of fraud in which, uh, which she created her company, Theranos, uh, this uh, testing uh, company you took a little tiny bit of, uh, of blood and you could test for every disease on mank- in mankind and all kinds of accusations about fraud and defrauding investors and uh, yeah, mail fraud, I mean, all of it. Uh, so you think they would have nothing in common, except they all took the stand. And that is a tough one. Uh, defense attorneys will tell you the last thing they want a defense uh, defendant to do is take the stand. That's why you never see, almost never see, uh, people, uh, defendants stand up and tell their side of the story. And why is that? Because they're open to cross-examination. Because prosecutors rip them, shred them to pieces, not only in terms of uh, their credibility, and believe me, uh, a good prosecutor can rip apart uh, even the most innocent of people, because uh, showing up at differences in opinion and uh, looking back at what happened. Oh, wait a sec. You said A, and it really is B, even with minute differences. And so they never do that, except when you're arguing self-defense. Because your state of mind has to be put in place. Because self-defense is all about your state of mind. And that is, were you in danger? And in Georgia, I mean, I can't even believe they're arguing self-defense. Uh, the McMichaels, particularly Travis McMichael, who pulled the trigger, uh, and that is because Georgia had, until this shooting, uh, the law that allowed citizens to make a citizen's arrest uh, if they actually saw a crime take place, or they had knowledge of a crime and they think this guy did it, uh, Ahmed Arbery. Well, we knew there were burglaries. Uh, and we knew he was seen in the area, as a matter of fact, uh, in a home that was under construction. And we thought it was trespassing, which, by the way, it wasn't. Uh, and they're arguing even if we were wrong, it is reasonable for us to make a citizen's arrest. And when Ahmed Arbery, uh, in fact, fought it off and made a grab for the gun, lethal force was necessary. Uh, then the entire issue of what happened at that moment or moments behind is where it's going to, uh, where the case is going to lie on.
1: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
1: Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions
0: apply. See website for details. However, putting someone on the stand, McMichael's, I think, uh, Travis McMichael, when asked, I, I he didn't do himself any favors. I mean, he did when he said, I thought I was going to get killed. I thought that Arbery was going to take my weapon. And there was a scuffle. Okay, that works. At least it's an argument. Now, the prosecutor says, did he have a weapon? No. Did he confront you? Uh, no. Uh, did, uh, were you chasing after him? Uh, yes. Was he doing anything other than just jogging down the street? No. I can tell you, that, that um, resonates with the jury. Big time and as i'm looking at this not that they had any choice the defense attorney's had to put him on the stand because they had to talk about his state of mind in terms of the moment he shot the gun uh, every jurisdiction incidentally allows a self defense claim and uh it's all basically the same your life has to be in danger but this one is uh, what really uh predicates uh what this case is predicated on was that um Citizens arrest law that in Georgia made it so easy to invoke a citizen's arrest. And as I said, that has changed. Uh, It's not going to happen again in Georgia. Uh, California, uh, you're not allowed to use deadly force. As a matter of fact, even if your life is in danger, if you can retreat, you must retreat. For example, let's say the same thing happened uh, here is the Ahmed Arbery case. And let's say a citizen's arrest was in fact legitimate. Let's say uh, uh, Ahmed Arbery committed a crime in front of uh, McMichael. So here he is with the gun, McMichael. Under California law, you must retreat before invoking uh, lethal force, before using lethal force. Not in Georgia. Nope. Georgia actually has a stand your ground law. In which, and a lot of southern states do, and a lot of states across the nation do, where you don't have to retreat. I mean, they. Let me tell you something. Georgia is. Well, it goes back to slavery, and we didn't have much of it here in California. Uh, it goes. It was literally used uh, to, uh, as a basis, to capture runaway slaves. But talking about California, when uh, California raised its income tax rate uh, to. 13 and percent for uh, the top earners. Uh, that became by far the highest income tax rate in uh, the country. Also, there's no such thing as capital gains. You, when you sell a business or sell stocks, it's a different tax rate uh, on the federal level. Not in California. You earn the money. We don't care how you get the money. We're going to tax you the 13 and percent if you make enough money. I mean, there's just uh, income tax for virtually everybody in the state. And so you take that and then you add retail sales uh, posting double-digit growth during 2021, stock prices doubling uh, from its low last spring, uh, major firms posting historically high earnings, and what do you get? You get so much money pouring into California uh, that uh, uh, Gavin Newsom can't get out of the way of the money being thrown at him. I mean, literally, a uh, pile of cash is thrown at him. He moves aside to duck, and he gets hit by another going the other way. Uh, it's There's that much money. I mean, it is ridiculous. Uh, so uh, right now, uh, the independent legislative analyst is saying, uh, we're going to have an extra $31 billion for the state. Uh, yeah. Uh, on top of the $76 billion windfall, uh, that came in uh, the last year. Uh, and uh, it's. He even came into. When he came in in tw- 2019. Uh, Newsom. He, he walked into a $22 billion a year surplus. Um, California did fine during the pandemic. By the way. It actually got more money. I mean it was one of the states. that did, uh, it didn't affect us at all. Money wise for the state. Uh, so. W- what's happening. Well here is a little sidebar. Factoid. There has been so much money coming in that the state has reached its constitutional spending limit. The state can only spend so much money. And then what else do you do with it? Well, under a law that was passed and that was uh, it was a proposition that was passed in 1979. It's called the GAN limit. Uh, and then California at that time, we were on a tax cutting crusade. Uh, this was a year after uh, Prop 13, that lowered property taxes to 1% of the value of the home. And the that bill, and uh, we're talking about the GAN limit, uh, cut spending. It was only to be limited by inflation and population growth. And here's the problem. Inflation was ridiculously low over the last few years. Population growth is stagnant. And so there's only a limit of what you can spend. Uh, now the Gan Act said that if the limit was reached, the surplus money had to be returned to the taxpayers, and there were tax uh, there. Th- there was money returned to the taxpayers a couple of times: thirty-two dollars, sixty-four dollars. I'm talking about well, got a lot of taxpayers in California. Uh, then they uh, did a revision, and the law was later amended that instead of going to the taxpayers, uh, the split could be fifty percent to the taxpayers and 50% to schools. Well, today, under the current uh, interpretation, uh, this extra cash, we're talking about tens of billions of dollars. I mean, it's insane how much money California has. Uh, taxes can be cut. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Uh, the money can be split between taxpayer rebates and uh, K-12 through uh, 12 schools. Also, it can be spent on public works projects, local government aid, paying off debts and emergencies. Now, I'm fine with it being used to uh, build, rebuild infrastructure. No problem with that. And I'm sort of okay with it being used in the schools, although I'm not thrilled the way schools are managed. Paying off debt, I think, is always a good idea. Certainly having an emergency fund is a good idea, but we've already got piles of money in that. The only time this has been reached before, by the way, uh, this constitutional spending limitation, and there's more money than that, was back in 1987 uh, when the the Republican governor, George Dupemagin, and the Democratic-controlled legislature, and always has been, compromised on tiny little rebates. For example, as I said, people got checks of $32, couples received $64, and it all had to do with, of course, what your income was. And there'd be a maximum of $118 for a single person, for a couple. Well, at least that's a little bit of money. I mean, $32? Eh, I don't think that's much. So uh, will there be a rebate next year? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Except uh, Governor Newsom says, well, social spending is a form of rebate. And that's where he is going to go. And keep in mind, this is what the government, the government had this much money. Uh, the We had our own state uh, stimulus bill and money, $600 payments that the state had, on top of all the federal stuff and unemployment. California, $600 per person for people who made less than $30,000. Uh, then they changed it to $600 checks to people between $30,000 and $75,000. Uh, people earning less than $75,000 with dependents got another $500. Immigrants in this country illegally with uh, dependents received another $500 on top of that. And you go, come on, how is that possible? How in God's name can you give illegal aliens more money than the rest of us get? Well, uh, here is the argument. They live here, okay? They contribute to the California economy and society. That's questionable. In terms of the tax, uh, you know, they go to school, the kids go to school, and it costs, what, $12,000 per kid per year to go to school. So that one we can argue. Uh, And uh, uh, the main reason is uh, they're not eligible. Illegal aliens are not eligible for any comparable federal assistance. People who are undocumented do not get federal money. And so the governor said, well, Since they don't get the money, we in California will give them the money. That is California, uh, which is why we are known as the most liberal state in the United States and why a lot of people around the country thinks that California as a whole is nothing but a very large fruitcake. And I can see where they're coming. It's Thanksgiving, and uh, the vast majority of us are going to have a big Thanksgiving meal, and we're going to stuff our faces. And most of us uh, don't really worry about food, food insecurity. As a matter of fact, I don't know anybody. Well, I know one person but I, that uh, actually suffers from food insecurity. That's sort of not in our lives. Uh, but, unfortunately, there are plenty of people in the United States that do. And as I've said many times before, uh, for a country as wealthy as ours to have people that uh, are hungry or f- uh, suffer food insecurity, and I'm talking about at the end of the month when people run out of money, all of a sudden high-quality uh, protein disappears, and it's pastas, and it's carbs, and it's bread, and it's crackers. Uh, that's uh, that's humiliating, and uh, in Yiddish it's called, it's a shanda which is a shame uh, to a level of magnitude that the word shame doesn't even apply. And food stamps are, and it's amazing how many people are on food stamps in this country. Uh, Food stamps are adjusted every year to keep up with inflation. But the problem is they're adjusted every year to keep up with inflation. And look what's happened uh, literally over the last few months. The price of meat has exploded. Uh, The price of uh, gasoline has exploded. Not that food stamps help with that. But if someone is driving to work, then money that would otherwise be spent for food now goes uh, into paying for gasoline and paying for everything else. Uh, But the big issue is food. And you've got people that uh, that unemployment insurance is now gone, the stimulus packages are now gone, and they're on their own. Uh, and in many cases, uh, the jobs uh, that people have, those that are working and need food stamps, are obviously not big-paying jobs. So uh, people who are on food stamps now are literally at the worst place they have been in a very, very long time. Food banks uh, have exploded, or at least the demand for food banks have exploded. Uh, And if you look at the cost of groceries, and as I said, especially protein and produce, has shot up so fast in such a short period that the adjustment, the annual adjustment, didn't even come close to thinking that uh, or recognizing what was going to happen or anticipating what was going to happen. So now come the experts. And uh, one of the most obvious ways of dealing with this, you simply adjust it either semi-annually or quarterly to adjust for inflation and not doing the annual adjustment. By the way, annual adjustments are the way all adjustments are made for the most part, unless you happen to have a uh, a loan, uh, like a HELOC that goes monthly. Uh, But if you're talking about... Uh, cost of living index, COLA's, cost of living adjustment. If you happen to have a contract or uh, you, uh, whatever you get is based on that. For example, Social Security. You're going to see Social Security checks going up quite a bit because of inflation. Uh, you have contracts that are cost of living once a year. And uh, that becomes really problematic when you have inflation on this level. And I don't even have to say it anymore, but I'm going to say it Anyway. Communities of color have been disproportionately impacted by the cost of food. Another reason that food has gone up and inflation has uh, really exploded is simply the cost of getting it here. For example, uh, trucking, just transportation has gone through the roof. So if you're a grower, let's say you're in the Central Valley and you're a farmer and you're growing lettuce, or you're growing soybeans or whatever, and then it has to be transported hundreds of miles to whatever distribution center it goes to. Well, the cost of that alone has increased dramatically. I mean, it is a shame that we're dealing with this. And uh, America, well, uh, it's tough. And I'll tell you something else about people that are of lower income. They live in uh, in neighborhoods uh, that are considered... Islands or areas in which they there are no big supermarkets, there are no big box stores. These are th- what they rely on: these small neighborhood shops, corner stores like bodegas, and that's where they get their food for the most part, or in many parts, many ways. And those little stores don't have the purchasing power; they just don't. They pay more, and therefore the customers pay more. Uh, there is no such things as economies of scale uh, with these stores. So all of it creates the the vulnerabilities that is being felt by people who are simply hungry. And I guess in one way, it's uh, for the vegetarians, the vegans, it forces a whole lot of people to become vegans and vegetarians. So join the crowd. Why? Because uh, meat protein is just damn expensive. I mean, you look at uh, what the cost of a steak is. it's, It's crazy. Even hamburger meat is so insanely expensive. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't have this problem in this country. We really shouldn't. And there are plenty of countries, particularly Europe, where this kind of problem doesn't exist. But then again, we go into uh, the philosophy of taxation. How much tax can we possibly pay? And we are a country that, unless you're super liberal, uh, we don't believe, or a lot of us don't believe in taxation. That really doesn't exist in other parts of the world. I'm gonna ask you a question and this happens to all of us and uh, I get so frustrated when this happens to me. You buy a product that's bubble wrapped, razor blades in my case uh, or anything. Uh, you're buying uh, maybe a charger uh, for your phone and uh, it's uh, on a cardboard uh, on a piece of cardboard and then it's bubble wrapped and uh, so you can see it and it's uh, so you have to cut open the bubble wrap. Uh, the bubble wrap these days, uh, is so thick and so secure, you can't get in it. You can't open it up. I mean, it absolutely kills me. I have to go take a knife and cut through it, or a razor blade, or a utility knife, or on one of those box cutters. I mean, that's the only way I can open those things up. You can't do it with your fingers anymore. That's out of the question. By the way, that is the chief complaint about packaging. This is a story out of the Wall Street Journal where. Uh, They actually did a study about packaging and then some history I want to throw in uh, to you because this is actually a fun topic. By the way, uh, not only is it the top complaint about packaging, countless emergency room visits for cuts and sprains, people simply trying to open up packaging. And then the other bitch people have uh, those resealable packages that don't reseal uh, or dispensers that clog or leak. And it's all about the complaints you have for packaging. And and here's the problem. Uh, Packaging can actually be a neglected part of manufacturing, uh, an afterthought of product development. Now, there are some exceptions to the rule. If you buy any Apple product, for example, uh, that packaging is extraordinary. I mean, it is brilliant. Because Steve Jobs, uh, when he created his uh, products Packaging was just as important to him, and I, and I forget the guy's name. He was just a, a genius in packaging, was part and parcel of the entire marketing team from the beginning. But for the most part, uh, packaging isn't that important to many manufacturers uh, because uh, we're interested in the product, right? We're not interested in the packaging. Uh, no, no. Uh, market research uh, gathered over the past five years of which uh, this article in the wall street journal uh, comes up with indicates there really has been a significant shift in our sentiment towards packaging right now at this point, it's, it's never happened to this level. The vast majority of people say that the design and materials used to package actually influence their buying decisions, not that they're neater or easier to open. It has to do with the environment because there, there is packaging that is just a complete waste of time and uh the a particular concern is excessive packaging. You don't need that much. And uh, that is a problem. So you go to brand experts and they're saying that a product success today uh, often depends. Now it's come to the point where the creativity, the creativity, the usability, the sustainability of the packaging is really important. But here's the problem. Uh, usually the two, come at the expense of the others. Packaging design really is a balancing act. Uh, Product developers care so much about the product, they don't even think about packaging until late in the product development versus what I told you about Steve Jobs. From minute one, packaging was as important to him. And uh, you go to Daniel Johnson, and and this was wild. He's chair of the Department of Packaging Science, at Rochester Institute of Technology, and he was the basis for the research that was done. Bet you didn't even know there was a packaging science department at the University of, or Rochester University of Technology. So here's what ends up happening. Uh, Things get rushed as the launch date approaches. We're even talking about big companies, too. Details get overlooked. Good time to save money. Good time to save time. And usually they test. I mean, the major corporations test, 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 everything. I, packaging, they do, even though it's done too late many times. But here's what, here's the problem. Uh, packaging is usually done, package, package testing is usually done by technician, either in a lab or company employees even in a conference room. And the problem is that's not real life. For example, taking a shampoo, undoing a shampoo bottle, you know, with the, the seal and unscrewing it, whatever, One thing when a lab tech is doing it uh, in a consumer lab or employees are doing it in the conference room, how about doing it in the shower with the water running and your hands are wet? Think of that for a moment. And too many companies don't think of that. And so uh, there is a whole movement. And again, we go back to this professor. If a product is typically used in the kitchen or the bath, when hands are likely to be wet, which most, which a lot of companies simply don't pay attention to, you have to design around that. And we're done. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I'll see you guys on Saturday for handle on the law. This is KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.